Welcome back to another episode of the Statues Podcast. With me, I have my co-host, Crystal. And on today's episode, we're going to start off with another clip. I thank God that everything I got today didn't happen overnight. Because if it would have happened the day I asked for it, I wouldn't know how to appreciate it. And I would have fumbled it. But because I had to wait so long and I had to fail over and over again to get to where I'm at, I know how to be grateful for my journey. I thank God I ain't a one-hit wonder. I thank God I ain't no random viral sensation. I thank God that everything I got today is by design and not accidental. Because it might take me longer than usual to get to where I'm going, and somebody might get it before me. But I promise you, when mine come, it ain't going nowhere. So the reason why I wanted to start with that clip was because... Not only do I feel what he says is actually correct, but I think it's actually pretty relevant. Mm -hmm. It's relevant because you have these Instagram people and you have these TikTokers, you have these YouTubers that, you know, they're posting, they're posting, they're posting, and then it's one thing that leads to another. I'm not going to say that I understand what it's like, but I do understand what it is like to have your life change overnight Mm -hmm. to have some sort of recognition for what you've done yeah and i think as i get older i start to understand these things that i didn't understand when i was younger and that thing that i'm talking about is ego what do you mean by like ego because i feel like when you work in the field or the industry that you work in you not that you have to be like super cocky but you need to have it so that like you you need to have that persona so that so that it like it it's like a it's like a backbone for you you know mm-hmm. so you stay strong and then when whenever people say something it doesn't like affect you you're just like okay whatever i think So what I mean by ego is when I talk about ego, I'm talking about the ego that you gain from that succession. Something that I remember very well was um, when I started my own company, my first company, DNV Entertainments. I remember having this conversation with my, um, at that time, my Korean mentor. Mm. And he said for me, He says one thing for me, and I remember to this day, was never forget where you came from. And I didn't understand at the I didn't understand at the time what he meant. But as I continued on doing what I did, we gained quite a bit of momentum, and that momentum took off. And in in the moment, you forget. Not where you came from, but you put everything that you've done on your shoulders and you walk high and you walk very mighty. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. You should. But you should walk with all that while still knowing what being humble is and knowing what humility is. Yeah. Like through the journey that you went through. Um, I just want to make sure that like I'm, I'm understanding is that even though you've gained success, even though you've gotten, you know, money, whatever that you wanted to achieve, still remember where you came from and not let it get to your head so much. Yeah. Be, be, be happy of your achievements and, and, and your success, but at the same time, remember where you started from. 
Be grateful. Learn how to be grateful for every small thing. I think this is something that right now is very relevant is you see these people on TikTok. You see these people on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. It only takes one thing. And boom, you're a viral sensation. But the thing about being a viral sensation is you're now overwhelmed with numbers. You're overwhelmed with your thoughts. And these thoughts are, what is it about me that people like? And then you start to formulate these thoughts around what other people want. And so you lose a huge factor of yourself while doing it. As someone who's seen so many people go through this, this is why I pride myself with the people that I still call my acquaintances. Mm-hmm. It's because the people that I call acquaintances are very humble people. They have, to my standards, they have succession. They have, they have what they can be proud of. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that each of them all have also is a sense of pride and being humble for everything that they have and never forgetting where they came from and how they got there. This goes for not just a career, but I I, I say this in a way where it goes for everything that you can relate to. Like for me, when I look at my family, I was never grateful for them when I was a kid. Because you don't see it that way. Yeah. You know, like, always being there with your family, you don't really truly understand, like, the impression that they leave on you until you leave outside of that <coughs> of that circle, of that bubble, you know, of, of seeing the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. So, so I get that. It, it's almost like popping your bubble, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when you're... This goes for your career. This goes for your life is you being the way you are. You're already in a bubble. This bubble is a very comforting bubble because everything that you know and everything that you are within that bubble is something that you've already recognized that you are or that other people are in it. Mm -hmm. Once you go outside of that bubble and you start meeting people and you start seeing things. That bubble, that bubble gets popped. And every time that it pops, it's almost like a trauma, right? It's almost like a small piece of trauma. I wasn't ready for this. I didn't know this. I didn't understand that. That's when people start to change, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is where also some other people around them can, will, will see them and be like, oh, why are you changing? Or why are you doing it this way? Why are you being this way? Sometimes it's not that they're changing but they're adapting they're adapting to what the the environment that they're in the the situation that they're put in you know big or small they, it's them adapting exactly it's this bubble of adaptation right mm-hmm. i call it a bubble of adaptation is that everyone starts off very small but as you continue to go through life and you experience things stuff that you go to school and you see like for me i went to school I went to a public school, so I'm I'm around, and and we were we were very low class, and and maybe we had some middle class. Going to school there, 
my bubble is still comfort because that's how I grew around. These people are people that I I, I can closely relate to because we all grew around the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's after that. Then then you go to high school. For me, I, after I went, I went to a Catholic school. And that was when it became mid, mid-class to high class. Mm-hmm. No, I, I feel like high school is very influential in many ways. And we start to see things that we, that either we know was there, but we didn't want to acknowledge it because that wasn't what we were used to. Or it's just a whole nother experience, a whole other world of just being amazed, but also being scared at the same time. Yeah, it is. And, and you see, the thing about this is, this bubble of adaptation, it's not taught to us. We, we, we don't understand these things. Our parents don't teach us these things. That when you walk outside of that house, these things that are outside of it are going to influence you. These things that are outside are going to have a major influence in what you now interpret. Mm-hmm. That's like, true. like, for example, my life turned upside down meeting you. <laughs> going to Mississauga, going to Toronto. I'm I'm from a small town, you know. Yeah. At that time, Kitchener Waterloo wasn't big. It, Waterloo wasn't even as as big as it is now. Yeah. Without a doubt. There was no recognition here at that time. That's so true. we we grew up very small. Mm-hmm. It was after expanding outside and going to Toronto, going to Mississauga, that I started to see certain things. I started to see what other people look like. And I'm not saying I don't know what other people look like, but what I'm saying is like... It's seeing it through a different set of eyes. Yeah, because I grew around people that went to Walmart for their clothes, people that shopped at thrift stores. Yeah. It was when I went to Mississauga and Toronto that I started seeing Prada, Gucci, um, Lululemon. I didn't even know what these things were. And, (laughs) And that's something that we grew up not understanding yeah you know like you know like i laugh not to mock but it's it's funny when you say like that because it's true it's it's very true you you don't see how people live and you don't really understand until you see it in a different set of eyes and your whole world is like shook it's it's shook in a way where like you're not prepared for it i think that's what it was for you too is that you I think maybe you knew, but at the same time, it was like, it's like I said, not fully acknowledging because it's like, okay, is this really how it's like over there? Like, is this really how people live? I see. Like, and that, that was the thing, right? Even for me meeting people that said that they were not financially in a good place. When I went to Toronto, when they said that to me, to me, it still looked good. To me, that was better than what I'd seen living where I was. Mm-hmm. And so it it off put this this thing in my head where it was like, oh, these people are very different. The way they live is very different compared to how the people that I grew around lived. Mm-hmm. Big town, like large cities versus small city folks yeah. are very two different things. But that's because it's like two different spectrums of and two sets of like like 
expectations is is that what it is i i i'm forgetting the word but it's like it's like here this is the this is the expectation not expectation but this is like the um standard yeah the standard there we go like two different sets of standards you know like where here maybe make a couple thousand and and you're good you know (laughs) In, in big cities like Mississauga and Toronto, it's it's about making millions because it's expensive to live there too. Yeah. And it was like these, in this, like when growing up, we called it poor, poor man's mentality was like for us, when we went to go hang out with our friends, we couldn't even go to the mall to hang out because we all didn't have money. Yeah. So what we would do, we would just walk around at a park. Mm-hmm. But then... It, it, it flipped for me was going to Mississauga and going to Toronto and seeing all these kids. And I mean, literal kids like grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, going to a mall and buying shit and me questioning, okay, where do these kids get money? Because for me, I had to work for my money. I had to work very young to have even a dollar. Mm-hmm. And, and you know like i'm not saying that all kids are like that yeah but a lot of them probably got their money from their parents mm-hmm. very <clears throat> i say this also from experience for me too because whenever you know if it was going to hang out with friends which i rarely did but on occasions if i meant going like after school to hang out for a little bit before my bus came it the money to pay for you know like food or drinks whatever i needed didn't come from me you know because i'm not saying for all but some of the people that i was hanging around with at that time we didn't need to work yeah and i think it's this bubble comfort this bubble of adaptation that kids start to go through because i know that with you it was it was also the same where once you met me, your bubble of adaptation also popped and it, it started to grow because now there was someone in your life that ran his life very differently. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. You know, meeting your parents, seeing your family and then hearing how you talk about them. It was always. If you needed something, you had to do it yourself. Always, you know, like we couldn't if you wanted to get into school you know you had to work hard to to get into said school you know whereas for me for example when when it came from me graduating to high school going into post-secondary college university it was more so okay do you need help to get into school I can help you with connections even though for me I didn't want to because I wanted to get in, because at that time, it was when I met you two, and we were pretty much, you yeah. know, like two years in, and so I wanted to get into school with my own, with my own abilities, but yeah. I know that, you know, you saw it too, my mom always offered to help all the time, yeah. if if I could do it. Yeah, and it was it was one of those things where it was, Learning independence, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be strong was, was what I learned. That I think that was something that I saw you and your sister uh, suffer a lot with was learning independence. Because when I walked into your life, you and your sister were still very 
dependent on your parents. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. Like, I, I'm still dependent on my parents, too. But there was, there was this line of independence for us where it was, like, if we wanted something, we had to work for it. And even, even when it came to schooling, it was like, if you're going to do something, go and do it. Stop saying that you're going to do this. Because my parents were one of those people that were, hey, you know, we didn't go to college. We didn't go to university. So you guys have the option. So go if you guys want to. But if you guys go, you guys make sure that you guys are going for yourself now. Mm-hmm. But your set of independence is different from, like, me and my sister's independence growing up. Yeah. It's very different because... When I met you guys, and that was the first time that I saw, I think I saw a family dynamic that was extremely different to my eyes. It was extremely different where, you know, everything you guys did was almost like um, planned out. Oh, your mom wanted you guys to do this. You guys, Your mom wanted you guys to do this. Your mom wanted you guys to do this. Mm-hmm. It was planned out. No, I feel like, you know, it, it sounds so cliche when I say it, but for us, it was more so like, it seemed like our life was planned mm-hmm. before we were born. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, and I understand why, you know, my parents felt the way they did wanting to do that. You know, it's because they came here, you know, it's like, the typical immigrant story. Yeah, of course. You know? you know, like my mom didn't finish school. My mm-hmm. dad couldn't finish high school. He finished, he finished getting his GED after he had me, um, after my parents had both of my sisters, like, so me and my sister, sorry. Yeah. So, um, I understand where they were coming from, you know, but it, it's, it's difficult when y- your kids have different interests and wants to do different things, and they're in a world being raised in the society that anything is possible too. Yeah, you know, like we aren't like them at all. No, because and I understand that immigrant story because you know my parents are immigrants too, right? But I think this is where just like everyone has their way of parenting, everyone has their way of dealing with things you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so i guess with my parents it was more so we didn't get the opportunity so if you guys are going to do something go and do it Mm -hmm. and and do it for yourselves so that this way if you guys fuck up you guys can't come back and blame us and i think that's what i took away from it was okay if this is the life that i want to live then i'm gonna go and live it because if i fail at it and i and i end up you know, not doing what I want to do. I can't go back and blame my parents and I'm going to live my life to the, to the hundred percent that I know I, I should be able to. Mm-hmm. And then meeting other kids, meeting, meeting kids outside of my city growing up and, and, and going to Toronto, going to Mississauga, doing my business there. It taught me a lot. You know, when I started taking in kids into the company and, and I started getting a, a lot more personal with them, I started to see um, with 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 these kids and the way their parents lived, if they lived a, a higher class or mid, mid, mid class or, or low class, I could see the mentality. And the mentality now was very different. 
Mm-hmm. I saw these kids that were exactly like me. You know, when DNV started, it started with people like me that understood what we understood here in Kitchener-Waterloo. Mm-hmm. And so that was comfortable for me. But it was after branching out and going into Toronto, going into Mississauga, that it blew my mind to see these kids understand a lot more that I couldn't understand. And and that's when, and this is why I say is, staying humble means staying true to you, right? Mm-hmm. I saw these kids that were mid-class, t- mid, mid high-class, and I said to myself, oh shit, I have to, I have to hit that too. I, I, I have to go and, and connect in that way too. And, mm. and in doing so, you lose yourself in doing it. Yeah, because you're constantly, you know, working with the mentality of, you know, I have to do this. You know, I have to be there. That's where I want to be. Yeah. So I get it, you know, like it's, it's almost like putting blinders on. You know, if that's where you want to go, you're going to go and you're not going to be able to see or be able to think about anything outside of those blinders. Yeah. And that that was the hardest part was the blinders. When you put blinders on, you're going to pass people that were with you in the beginning. And I think that was, you know, as I grew up, and you start to realize your mistakes. You start to realize this and that. This is why at the age of 28, I am the way I am now. Is because I've come to terms with who I am. Not not where I want to be, but who I am. And who I will be going to achieve that dream as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I have, like, I have a question. You know, like you've achieved... You know, to others, it might not seem much. To mm-hmm. us, it's it's a lot. And you're only going to continue more because for you, it doesn't stop ever. Do you think you'll ever go through this, like, again? Like, so concentrated on where you want to be, on what you want to achieve and the goals. And, and then, you know, sometimes in that moment losing yourself again do, do you think you'll ever go through that again i think everyone's gonna go through it again though you see it with parents right mm-hmm. parents they're not equipped to be parents until they're parents <laughs> so then you go through that change and that change some people look at it and they're like okay why are you doing this why are you doing that why are you staying away from this why are you you're not doing this anymore things change and that's how life works is that we as people have to adapt to the environment that we are given so change will happen. It's just that are you grounded to everything that you are while changing? Like for example, like now now at the age of 28, I'm still very well aware of everything that's around me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also well aware of where I want to be. Yes. And if I want to go to it's it's this whole billionaire mindset. You can't be a billionaire with having the mentality that you have now because where you are now is not a billionaire mindset. You are a broke-ass mindset right now. That's why you're at where you're at. Yeah. So I also have to understand that at a billionaire mindset, things are going to change, and things are going to change drastically. 
but I cannot forget my broke mentality as well. My my broke mentality is what drove me to become a billionaire. Being a billionaire just requires you to do a lot more than your broke mentality. It's true. That's why, like, with parenting, it's the same, where it's like, you can't be a parent with a single, uh, with, a, uh, with, with the mindset of a single person. Yes. When you're a parent now, your worries are doubled. Your responsibilities are, are quadrupled. These are things that naturally come, and you adapt to it as a person. But the people that are also around you have to be very understanding of that as well. Is that this broke man's mentality or this parent mentality or, or whatever mentality that you're looking to achieve comes with a lot of change. And that change is going to make you someone different. But the person that you are even after that change is still the same person that you are as that broke man. It's just now you're not broke. You have the broke man's drive. You have the broke man's um, will and ambitions. Yeah, but you're not broke. You got to live the billionaire mindset. These are things that, you know, like over the years I've had to come and realize for myself is like, for example, like a lot of people ask me, how do you do what you do? The honest question is, I take it day by day because if I don't take it day by day, I don't understand what I'm not doing. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, when we started this podcast, me talking about this podcast for a while and wanting to do it, yeah, it was something that I wanted to do. So the next day, me asking myself, if I keep thinking about this podcast and not doing it, am I doing it? Mm -hmm. That's why I did it was because now doing it and saying I wanted to do it are two very different things, and I did it. And then so you improve on the last day. So let's say I want to I wanna go and be a lawyer. Okay, me talking about being a lawyer is not going to help, so I'm going to apply for being a lawyer. Okay, now you're going to school for 10 years. <laughs> going to school for 8 to 10 years being a lawyer is going to change you. You're going to learn certain things in school that are going to make your mentality very strong and very different. Mm -hmm. You're going to meet people that are very arrogant. You're going to meet people that are verbally better than you, mentally better than you. So this mental state that you're in is going to change. You're going to also understand, oh, if I'm not strong enough mentally, if I don't understand this verbiage, I'm going to lose. It's people that can't understand that that say they want to do business, they want to do this, and they want to do that, but they can't do it. And they always fail. They fail because you're not doing anything that's changing anything. Your mindset has to change. Mm -hmm. I went from... It's this whole thing, this whole craze that's going on is... You go to school and you learn to work. And then you go to work and you learn how to spend. And then when you spend, you need more money. So you go back to work. It's a cycle. 
Some people can, some people will realize that cycle. Some people get comfortable with that cycle. And then there are some that are like myself where we look at that cycle and we say we can't do that cycle forever. So what's another way of doing it? So you go to work. So I trade my time for work. Then I make my work. I make money. From that money, I want to build assets so that I can have time but still make money. Okay, now I've broken the chain. These are things that have to change in people. It's that mindset. Like, when you change your mindset, something will change in your life. If you're broke, you're broke for a reason. If you, if you made a mistake, you made a mistake for a reason. Mistakes make people. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought the clip up was because that clip was very, it spoke loudly to me because I've built my career over mistakes, over years, over, over time. These are things that I learned from. These are things that I can appreciate. These are things that I find gratitude in. The people in my life that I have gratitude for. I have gratitude for these people because number one, they are the ones that shape my mentality. We we don't have to be best friends for me to be like, ah, yeah, you know, my best friend, he's doing that. I got to do this too. And no, your role models and the people that you look up to can change that for you. For me, I look up to, I don't look up to individuals. I look up to people and certain aspects of their life. Because every person is a scumbag some way in their life. That's just how life works. You're a scumbag some way in your life. No one is perfect. But I look up to rappers that start in the rap business but end up making water and end up having brands and businesses because they understand that having one way of making money isn't working. You got to split that and make different ways of revenue so that money flows in. I look up to millionaires and billionaires because they're smart. How do you become that? How do you monopolize off something that is so small when you started it? These are things that I look up to. Or like, for example, I look up to people like my acquaintances, uh, Valerie, um, Justin, uh, Kionza. I look up to these people. You know why? Because I couldn't do what they did. These are people that they said they wanted to do it and they did it. They said that their minds, they, they said to themselves, I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. And they did it. But these are something that I couldn't do for a long time. I couldn't do. And I stayed weak and I stayed sitting down and complaining about my life and saying, I deserve this and I deserve that, but I have nothing. But it's, it's, it's your role models. It's the people that you look up to that can change you as well. When you see these people working hard and hustling and, and putting in the time, the effort, you, you look at yourself and now you have to ask yourself, if this person has time to go to school, to do this, 
to build this. Their life was like this, and they did this. How much time are they dedicating to what they're doing that puts them in that position that they're doing it? Because now when you reflect back on yourself, you got to ask yourself, how much time are you putting into what you want to do? It goes back to this whole thing that uh, I, I did for myself was it was a mental check that I did. You know, it's a Rubik's Cube. It starts with one thing. I just told myself, huh, if I can do a Rubik's Cube and I can solve a Rubik's Cube, then I myself have done something that was impossible for myself that I thought I wasn't ever going to be able to do. And then you do it. And then you solve it. Great. Something that was impossible was solved. Nothing is impossible now. It plants this seed into my head and that's how it all started. Was It planted this seed in my head that these things that seem impossible are possible. They used to tell us that, you know, like I grew up with people saying to us, you're going to be broke. You ain't going to be shit. You know, your parents are shit. These are things that are possible because at that moment in your life, it, it is. You are shit. You're doing nothing with your life. Your parents are shit. Because you represent every part of them. So if you're shit, they're shit. But it got to a point where I said to myself, the impossible has to be possible. But how? How do I make it possible? And it just starts with one thing. Planting the seed of possibility. Changing Changing, I don't want to say your friends, changing your role models so that you slowly start changing. Because I will say this is anyone that looks at their friends and says, I want to cut you out of my life because you're doing nothing in your life. I will honestly say you are friends for a reason. So if you cut them out of your life, check yourself. What I, what I do is I have my friends and I have my role models. My friends are not my role models. My friends are my friends. They are people that I go to. I, I have fun with. I, I love being around them. But your role models are people that you look up to and say, they did it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Just because your friend is a broke-ass bitch doesn't mean that you're going to be broke as fuck either. If your role model is someone that works hard, hustles, does something in their life, is very different from having friends that are around you and having role models that you look up to. Mm-hmm. That's why whenever I hear like this whole thing that people were doing of, oh, if your friend doesn't benefit you, cut them out of your life. Well, that's dumb as fuck. That's dumb as fuck because they're in your life for a reason. If your friends, if you naturally fall out, that's fine. That 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 shit happens. You will naturally fall out of each other's lives as you continue on in life. 
you are both pursuing something different. If along your pursuit of happiness and passion, you fall out of your friendship, that happens. It's okay. It doesn't make them some. Doesn't make them not your friend. They're still your friend. It just means that you're at an, you're at another level, and that level requires for you to be a certain way. But for you to go and be like, I don't want to talk to you no more. I don't want to talk to you because you're a broke ass bitch, and I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like that. You're fucked up, not them. You're fucked up. You're fucked up because you don't understand. You cannot sympathize. You blame them for your mistakes. I don't look up to Gandhi. I don't look up to Steve Jobs. I don't look up to Jeff Bezos. I don't look up to these people. I look up to the models that they used to get them certain places. Because every person, like I said, is a douchebag. The guy, <laughs> the guy that made Facebook is a fucking douchebag. <laughs> they got somewhere somehow, whether it be cheating certain people, whether it be stealing certain things, whether it be doing certain things that are unethical. That's how they got it. Mm-hmm. But when I look at people, I look at people for what I see them as. For me, like, I have a friend, you know, like, I have, um, I have a friend, she's very strong mentally, Kyonza. Mm-hmm. I know she's gone through shit in her life, but she's, so, she's mentally strong that you, she's still kicking it. When I talk to her, it's, it, it's a vibe now. When, when I talk to her, it, it, it's, it's like a vibe that we both get, like, yo, we're both mentally at the same place. When I look at people like um, small creators and, and, and people that are pushing for their passions, like uh, Justin, these are people that have pushed for their passions. So when we look at them, what are we saying? These are people that they've done what we couldn't. That's why when I look at people and they say, oh, that person did shit, oh, that person's this, that person's that, oh, yo, that person's fucked up. First off, let me ask you, are you fucked up? That person did a lot more than you could ever do. Because the way it works is that I guarantee that, like, let's say, for example, a a small-time YouTuber, if they get their their channel canceled and they start another one, I guarantee they'll still get the same amount of subscribers. That's called starting a business from the ground up and building something that no matter what happens will always end up where it fell. You've built something for yourself. And these are things that I look up to when I look at people. These are things that I look up to when I say I have role models. I have motivation from these people. I have inspiration from these people. Small-time businesses, you know, I look up to them because you can make a business out of anything. But the problem is, how do you do it? I didn't know that, you know, for example, I didn't know that there was a business for scrunchies. But the fact that there's a business for scrunchies, there's a business for exotic candies, there's a business for all this kind of stuff. Number one, it means that you 
are skilled in your marketing. You are skilled in your advertising. You are skilled in these things that allow for you to market these things. That's not nothing. Mm-hmm. That took skill. These are skill sets that people go to school for, pay tens of thousands for. But you did it through trial and error. You did it. You, you market it. Didn't work. Okay, let's do it this way. Nope, didn't work. Let's do it this way. Didn't work. Let's do it this way. Oh, I see a little bit of numbers. Okay, so what what is it about this method? I know, but you know, there are people who want results quickly and immediately you know when they start something and they're like oh i put so much work into it you know i I did so much research okay and then they they do it and then they're able to get stuff out and then they they want immediate results they they want that that cash flow back and but it's they get antsy and upset and i'm not saying this is all but there are some people out there that aren't as patient and then they just don't they just want to give up after though but those are the people that fail those are the people that always fail thing the thing about this is number one it's about timing Mm -hmm. it's about everything happening right for example um musicians There are musicians out there that are not willing to take time to craft their art. That's why I look up to people like Russ. Mm -hmm. This man came up with how many songs before he was signed? This man put it for free on SoundCloud before he was ever signed. Mm -hmm. But that took time, it took him patience. If you want to be a one-hit wonder, I guarantee one-hit wonder, you'll get hit, and then that's it. Because the next song that you create is not going to be better than that song that you made. There's a lot of people like that. Exactly. But there are people like Russ that you put time, you put effort, you take you take time to craft every part of your passion. That it's a formula now. You know what works. You know what your fans like. So you can keep putting it out, putting it out, putting it out. And then eventually the numbers roll because you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's these people that are one hit wonders that you make a song, it hits the charts. It's number one. You go and you do your sales. You go and you, you do concerts with one song. And then what? You try to release another one in the flops. Because the problem here is that there is an expectation for it to be better than that song. And when there's an expectation for it to be better than that one song, it puts pressure on that artist to make a better song. Mm-hmm. That's why it's exactly like how he says in the clip. That's why they don't work. You can't appreciate it. I appreciate music because music to me is therapeutic. When I write, it's, it, it's about me telling my story. I tell a story. That's how my music is. I've crafted my art to a point where it's storytelling. Yeah. That's why when I work with my artists and I work with other artists, the one thing I always tell them is work on your craft. I don't need you to be perfect. But what I need you to do is give me a hundred imperfect songs. Because the one guy that's making one perfect song has one song. You will have a hundred imperfect songs and have 
101 final the last one will be perfect yeah <clears throat> sorry but like what if there are people that have been planning for years and years and years because there are people out there you know who have an idea but you know they need the money to to start it you know because it, it takes quite a bit of money to start a business and they plan for so long i'm talking about maybe like three four five years you know and then they finally get it done you know and then when there are no results they get upset so what do you say about that? You know, be, because there there was a lot of planning involved in, in, into the process of, of them, you know, doing this. All I can say is that that was your problem, is that you had one end goal and you worked for that one end goal. Mm. Like, for example, right? When I said I wanted to get into music, I didn't go and buy a mic, an XLR cable. I didn't go buy an audio interface. I didn't buy this. I said I wanted to get into music. So I bought a USB mic and I just held it in my hand. And every day before I could afford that mic, I was writing music. I was writing. So along that path of me wanting to become a musician, I worked for my craft. I couldn't afford a mic, so work at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And then you work at McDonald's for what? Two weeks before you get a paycheck. And at that time, you're going to school, you're doing this. Your paycheck's not much. Your paycheck's like, what, 100 bucks? Mm -hmm. So you're now calculating, okay, okay, I need to work another two more weeks before I can make enough money to even buy a mic. So that's one month. You're working one month. So are you waiting one month before you write music, before you do something? That Now, that's pointless. You wasted your own time. Mm -hmm. In that one month, what I would do is... I would write music every morning. I would walk to work or I would bike to work. I would listen to rap music. I would listen to this and I would, I would, I would try to understand cadence. I would try to understand rap um, rhymes. I would understand um, the poetry in it. I would understand storytelling. I would do this. I would do that. And I would try to write my own. And then it got to a point where it was like, cool. Now I want to learn the technical aspects. So then a month later, I get my mic. Okay, now let's do it. But now comes the recording process. How far away from the mic? How close to the mic? Oh, do I need, oh, now I need a pop filter. Oh, no. Now I need a stand. I need this. I need that. By the time you've planned everything, it's going to be thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. You can't just wait for the thousands of dollars. It goes for every business person too is... You can't wait for you to accumulate the right amount of money to start your business. Just start. Start small. Let's say you go and you talk to someone. You go, you go and you talk to a random person. You go to a bar and you talk to a random person. Hey, so I'm, I'm looking to get into business. Um, this is my business. Listen to what everyone has to say first. Accumulate your money. Accumulate time. You'll need it. Mm-hmm. But listen to what everyone has to say. Because if someone's telling you, you know, that's, that's kind of a whack business. And then you hear it twice. You hear it three times. You hear it four times. You hear it five times. Okay, maybe you should reevaluate what your business is. What you're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. These are things that people don't do. They want the... They want the winnings. They want everything at the end but they don't want to work for anything in the beginning and everything in the middle. Mm -hmm. 
Because the problem is when you get to the end, it's maintaining the end that is the hardest. Maintaining the business that is the hardest. Mm. Yes. That's what people don't understand is a business, let's say you want to save $5,000. Okay, at what age are you starting? If you're starting at like 16 and you're starting with no help from your mom and your dad, you're going to be working a job for a long time. So are you just going to be working and going to school or are you going to be working and planning every step of it out, figuring out what works and what doesn't work, figuring out how you want to sell that product? Everyone wants to do like, like for example, right now, everyone wants to do um, uh, like clothes pressing, like uh, making T-shirts and everything. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Or like certain like embroidery shirts, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying embroidery isn't, you know, but there are thousands of people who are doing exactly you but know see, custom prints or you know e- even for cups you know like tumblers yeah and and i'm not saying that they're not good but because there are some people out there that have great artwork for their product yeah. but it's the others that make it so simplistic that i could search it up on etsy and there could be like 10 15 20 30 listings of the same thing see and and that's something that people don't understand is that Starting a business is easy when you say it. Mm-hmm. Maintaining that business is why everyone falls apart. Maintaining it is because you're up against a market that's better than you already. Yes. And okay, not- just because you have the equipment doesn't mean you're any better. Exactly. You know, you, you could have the best equipment out there. You know, the, the top one of the line. But it also comes down to the quality and the care that you have for the product and the customers. Yeah. Like, for example, right? Um when I made when I got Valerie to make me charms for your, uh, Anna and I, mm-hmm. it goes everything from the care that she put into it, the communication between uh, shipping back and forth, mm-hmm. and then when I got it, you receive the packaging and everything that comes with the packaging, the thank you letters, this and that, everything is a part of why someone is a customer. You're battling against how many people like that that already have, number one, clientele. Number two, they love your personality. And number three, there are more people like her that already exist in that field. So what makes you any different? Cheaper prices? I would rather pay a bit more expensive for a better, from from someone that I know is guaranteed to give me a better quality than someone that is going to have lower prices and me not knowing what you're going to give me. That's, that's true. That's very true. You know, like, we've done how many t-shirt presses for, for, for companies, and I only go to one person because I know they can do better for me. That's that's very true. You know, we've had a lot of test trial and errors, and sometimes the product, the quality of just, not even the press alone, you know, because because I know that there are some customers out there that are very picky on, like, the shirts if the linings aren't straight you know it's it's the small minor details you know and it always comes down to the quality it 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 never works out until that one and we've been we might not do much you know like because of how the world is but we it's always about the the process of of the entire thing you know that's why i say that right now 
everyone wants to do business, but everyone also doesn't want to do the process and the waiting process and the the patience. Mm-hmm. They don't have the patience for it. This is why, like, even when I talk to my artists, number the one the number one thing that I always say to them is patience. Mm-hmm. Because number one, how many people are better artists than you that live in your city already? That's true. You know, it's it's hard because they see the overnight sensation. You know, we've had amazing artists come out of, you know, Toronto, you know, Brampton. And they're amazing. You you know, to them, it's an overnight sensation because next thing you know, we, we hear of them on the news. So, so... So it's hard not to have that mentality, you yeah. know. And, but it also makes it harder, right? Because the internet it. makes it, the internet makes it seem as if that's how easy it is. Of course, and it ruins the process of learning and having fun. Yeah, taken away. That's why when you like, this is why when I look at artists, you can tell that a lot of artists struggle. People like, um, let's say, like, people like Drake, people like uh, Alessia Cara, people like Tory Lanez, people like The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. To make a hit song is not as easy as everyone thinks it is. But there's already an expectation to their name. That expectation to their name adds pressure that is immense. And then so you have small-time artists that are like, oh, yo, I'm going to be the next Drake. Yo, I'm going to be the next one that comes out of Toronto. I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. Okay, cool. But what makes you that? I'm, I'm not one to judge music. But as, as someone who's been in business for a while and understands how business operates and works, it doesn't make sense because there's nothing that... There's nothing from a business standpoint that makes you any better. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sonically, everyone sounds like you. Sonically, I could go to the next Toronto rapper, and he probably sounds exactly like this guy. Mm-hmm. Just fidget it a little bit, and you're the next one. But then you look at someone like uh, that guy. Uh, I think his name is Ali Gotti. Mm, yes, yes, yes. He sounds different. The Weeknd sounds different. Alessia Cara sounds different. Tory Lane sounds different. Drake sounds different. They all have their unique sounds. So if you're all sonically sounding the same, what makes you any better? No one's going to pick you guys. Mm -hmm. It's these guys, you know, like these people that don't understand that just because you know how to auto-tune and you know how to do this and you know how to do that, it doesn't make you an artist. What makes you an artist is the passion and the craft behind what you're doing. Crafting your lyricism, crafting your melodies. The reason why I love Ali Gotti so much is because his melodies are so beautiful. His lyrics are so poetic. The reason why people love The Weeknd is because his voice is so unique. Mm-hmm. When he sings, it is captivating. When Drake raps or he sings, the reason why it works is because he has made it so he's made it so unique to him that if someone were to sing, let's say, uh Passion Fruit, mm-hmm. yo, you would know, oh, yo, that's Drake, that's Drake. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. 
everyone sonically sounds the same, but what makes you any different? Mm-hmm. It goes with businesses. Everyone has a business. What makes you any different? I guess, like, to, to put it in simple, in this doggy dog world, you have to be different. You have to be the one that stands out to, to succeed. Or, or not succeed, but to at least, you, you know, like, to, to, to survive. Wholeheartedly. And the thing is, right, people have this interpretation that it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's not. It's a lion-eat-dog world. You're still the dog. You're still the little bitch. Mm-hmm. There are people that have worked their entire careers to be the king of the jungle. And now they are. And now they stand at the top. And if they don't want you to pass them, they'll make sure that you don't pass them. That's just how simple the business world works. Mm-hmm. There's there's a major dirt in the business world. That's true. No one's no one's perfect at all. Everybody's got skeletons. It's just how you deal with it and how you go about it is what makes you different too. Yeah, and people that idolize rich people or people that have fame. You need to you need to look at yourself because these rich people and these people with fame, they're not what everyone makes them out to be. That is why I say I don't idolize people. I idolize what they do and the models that they use. The hustle. Yeah. You you and I know very well Rich people that exist that are fucking scumbags. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you see how much people idolize them and you see how much people look up to them and their work. But when you look at them as a human, it makes their work look worthless. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two types of rich people. You and I both know it. The ones that are rich and like to brag. Yep. And the and rich, rich and that, quiet. Yep. And the rich and quiet are usually the ones. It's not that they're mean. They're nice. But they want to teach you things in, in a different way. They're willing to teach you. But are you willing to do the grunt work for, for those lessons? That's true. Because for you, it wasn't easy at all. You know, you took those lessons very hard at first. You know, because you didn't un- no, quite understand I wanted it. to give up. I wanted to give up what I was taught. And these are the things, right? You can find mentors in life. But are you willing to do what it takes to have that mentor stick with you? Because mm-hmm. these mentors, yeah, you also have to understand that they've been in this world for a lot longer than you. Or not a lot longer, but they've experienced a lot more than you. Mm-hmm. So that experience makes them a certain way. So when they look at you, it's it's like my mentor said, oh, you're such a bitch. <laughs> I look at you, you're such a bitch. Okay. okay, first off, uncalled for. And secondly, you don't know me. That's true. But these things that people, but these things that these mentors say. It's to just strengthen you. Though. It is to strengthen you. Because I, They've gone through worse, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's comparable by any means, you know, because it's, it's different worlds that you guys live in, you know, and and maybe different times too. 
but they're preparing you for the worst that they've gone through so mm-hmm. that when it comes to you it, it you could, have the it, backbone exactly it, it could be nothing and these are things that like look i'm very appreciative but it's also made me a very more uh aware mm-hmm. of everything that is around me and the people that are around me mm-hmm. right because you know like before you were very you know trusting you know very, very trusting in a way that was taken advantage of. Yeah. But it's taught you not to be as trusting before. And it's not that it's a bad thing. If anything, it's a good thing because it allows you not to be so hurt like that anymore. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what I appreciate is my mentor was able to teach me things that I know my parents would never have been able to teach me. Mm-hmm. Or, or or anyone around me at that time would have been able to teach me. Because when I got my first big check, the first thing my mentor said to me was, go and spend it all. Okay, whoa. As, as coming from a broke person. <laughs> you want to save it. Yeah, we come from one where, yo, you should save every penny. Because it's a, it's a lot. It's, it's But when she's telling you, yo, go spend it. And then you go and spend it. And then she sits you down and she's like, how was it? You sit there, you you got a nice MacBook, you got this, you got that. You're you're enjoying life. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and she tells you, now you got nothing. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You have all this, but you have nothing. Oh, shit. Now, now it puts life into perspective. That's how life worked. Mm-hmm. And we as kids, we don't see that. We want money. And we work hard for that, that fat check. But then when it comes down to it, and then it's spent, Oh, now you're going to go work again. But how long did it take for me to work to get that check? It took me such a long time. Mm-hmm. But And, it, you know, like, that's why I appreciate her was she taught me life lessons that normal people would have never been able to teach me. Mm, that's true. She was very patient, too, because you were very impatient. I was very impatient. I was, look, I was I was so impatient that when I got my distribution deal, like, and this is why I always say it is, when I had my first distribution deal, I looked at it and was like, okay, when are we going to get going? When are we going to get going? When are we going to get going? Ah, you know what? You ain't working fast enough. Done. I don't want you. And then everything fell apart. We, we as kids are number one, raised to understand that when we get money, we save money. And number two, we are not taught the patience to, we are not taught the patience that it takes to achieve real success. Mm-hmm. These are two things that I learned from my mentor. And my mentor was someone that really instilled these things inside of me. Yeah. You, I, I definitely get that. You know, it, it's almost like, for example, how Asian parents, like, for example, my parents, you know, they wanted us to be doctors because to them, when you become a doctor... After you graduate, you're going to make bank Mm -hmm. immediately. But they don't understand that, like, you're not going to make money as quick because where your patients coming from, you don't have people that trust you yet. You you can't just open an office and expect people to just walk in with blind faith and be like, yes, you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's it's the exact same thing. Yep, And like, that's why, like. 
I say so much is that when doing this kind of business or when starting a business or when going into music or when doing anything, number one, learn to be patient. And number two, be smart about it. Mm -hmm. Be hella smart about it. When you walk in, make sure that you walk in with leverage on your side. When, when I started this, when I started everything that I knew, everything that I'm doing now, I do on my own. I don't need to hire external factors to come and do certain things for me anymore. When it comes to microphones, okay, I studied what each microphone is. Okay, I studied uh, how an audio interface works. I studied how the, the program works. I studied how the laptop works. I studied how a mixer works. I studied how a camera works. I have already leverage. I have leverage that most people don't have. Mm-hmm. Being able to do it on your own. Yeah. So you're not like, you know, spending quite as much money as you would be. Yeah. And that's why I say, and I always refer back to this artist, Russ, is he had leverage. That's why he has the deal that he has. Because he produces, he makes, he masters, he records his own shit. He has a studio in his own house. That's called leverage. You're doing shit for yourself, by yourself. You don't need other people. Mm-hmm. Now, your expenses are not... Your expenses are no longer tied to, like, 50 different things. It's true. You know? Like, this is why I say, number one, make network connections and have leverage. Because your network is going to help you. And your leverage is going to impress them. When... When I walked in and my mentor saw me, the reason why she was impressed was, number one, because I came from a customer service background. Mm -hmm. So when people talk shit to me, it got to a point where, yo, I don't tolerate certain shit. So when you say shit, be careful what you say. You called her out on her bullshit and you walked out. Yeah. And she was impressed by that for sure because I don't think... She's ever had anybody, and I'm just putting in terms, okay? Anybody who was below her in status like that, call her out on her bullshit at all. And, you know, like, when she told me, when she sat down with me and she said, you know, like, no one's ever said that shit to me. And I said to her, well, I like other people. And she goes, yeah, but you also don't understand what it's like to be a woman in business. Okay, now I get it too. But it's... it drew a line for me where it was like, you still don't do that shit to me. Mm-hmm. All my life, I've been, I've been, you know, talked shit down on. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is why, for me, I am the way I am. Why I'm so passionate about everything that I do is because everything that I do, you know, it's like they say, I'm a jack of all trades, but a master at none. Mm-hmm. And you know it's got its it's got its ups and it's got its downs. But when it when I need to, I can outsource and get certain things done. But I'm already doing majority of the work, so when I'm outsourcing, I'm not paying much. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how, for me, this is why people fail at business. This is why people fail at being an artist. Because they expect immediate results right away? It's an expectation the moment they walk into it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There are just people that 
that are not willing to wait. Yeah, you know, like because I guess seeing and it it sounds like it, but I do put a lot of blame on social media because they are only seeing the big pretty picture. You know, of the nice house, the fancy cars, the girls, the clubs, or, you know, the, the expensive champagnes, whatever it is, that really nice lifestyle. But they perpetuate a lifestyle that is very fake. Yeah. Right. Because what people don't understand is like, look, I've met people that have big houses. They are the most loneliest people in the world. Mm -hmm. I've met the poorest people that are the happiest people in the world. This is perpetuated by social media and and what we hear and see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But when you go to these people and they live in like small one-bedroom apartments and you ask them, are you happy? And you hear what they have to say and you hear them say, yes, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very grateful you know, we come from war-torn countries. We don't even get to sleep on a bed. We don't even have a roof over our head. At that point, the way we think and the way they think, it, it's a superior way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Kids, they want fame. They want instant gratification for everything that they do. Yes. But instant gratification, I'll tell you, is it's like... um it's like it, it, it's like drugs. Yeah. You get it once, you want it twice. You want it three times, you want it four times, you want it five times. The higher the number, the better. Mm-hmm. But the lower the number, you get depressed. And when you get depressed, you don't know why you're depressed. You don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing about being a viral sensation compared to building a platform slowly. These are people, you know, that are not well equipped to understand the world of entertainment and the world that exists. Mm -hmm. These are people that go to LA and go to every party in LA and are like, Hey, I'm an actor. I'm this, I'm that. Mm -hmm. But then they go home to a one bedroom apartment and they're crying because they're so lonely. Mm -hmm. They're so lonely because you've built your whole life off who you are. Yeah. It's it's like a fake persona that, you know, seems so happy, but at the end of the day, it's just lonely and shitty. Yeah. Because if you take that mask off, like, and that's the thing that I always say is, who you are trying to perpetuate, uh, uh, sorry, not perpetuate, who you are trying to be and who you are, if you were to look at them, are they, are they complete opposites? Because one day when you take that mask off and you get tired of wearing that mask, you're going to look in the mirror and now you won't know who you are or even how you want to be. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because you don't know if you're happy. You don't know if you're sad. You know, this persona that you have might like to eat lobster and, and steak. <laughs> but you as a person, like, like, and that's the thing, right, is... You as a person might not like, even like that shit. You might like, you know, instant McDonald's ramen. McDonald's or you know? something like that. Yeah, no, I get it. But, but this is what I mean is that people put on this persona. People put on this mask. And it's a very dangerous mask. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, and I, I, I can say this because I've been in a position where 
I was that person that put on a mask. And it got very dangerous very quickly. You know, but sometimes people put on these masks to protect themselves from maybe themselves too, you know, because they're afraid of who they are, you know, be because of what they see out there or, or, or who is around them. They're scared that they're not going to fit in because in society, you know, like I, I hate to say it, but it's all about being a part of something, trying to fit in regardless, even if it doesn't, even if it's not you. Yeah, no, but that's a that that at that point that's a you problem. That's a you problem because you don't need to fit in. Who you're trying to fit in with or who you're trying to 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 be buddy buddy with, it don't matter. It really don't matter. Because if I stay true to myself and and you have the internet now, if you stay true to yourself and you continue to speak and and act the way you want to act eventually you'll find a following eventually you'll find people that want to connect with you mm-hmm. you know they're like and that's why i say is like this is what um social media and 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 the news and 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 our regular media you know perverses a lot is this like when when okay like for example when you think of um those uh, stupid uh, university movies. You think of uh, frats and you think of uh, sororities. And happy parties. And, yeah, parties yeah. and this and that. And, and a happy-go-lucky it, life, pretty much. But the reality of it, are you happy with those people? Or are you just trying to put up a front so that you can be a part of those people? So you can be a part of something that you think might bring you some sort of happiness? It's cool to experiment, and I always say that. It's experiment with your life. Go and live. You know, I, I. it was like I was saying to you yesterday was, everyone goes through two puberties. The first puberty is one that you hit in elementary or high school. And the second one, you hit in university and, and, and after that too. And what I mean by puberty is, it's a change in you. Mm-hmm. A change in yourself. You either like it or you don't. That's true. In high school, everyone's trying to fit in somehow, some way. But then in university and college, fitting in matters to them. Fitting into something matters to them. Finding someone or a group of people that have a similar way of thinking, a similar way of interpreting things the way you do matters. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that I like I disagree because, you know, I agree. But there are some people that can't handle the loneliness of studying. Because when you're in post-secondary, you know, you. there are some people with the mentality that you paid or you will pay X amount of money to go to said school and you have to study. You're constantly studying and you have no friends because you're studying. So they need to fill in that void of being lonely, not having friends, and to socialize with things like this. Yeah, but that's when it gets dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. Because who you are and who you're trying to be are two very different things. So one day you're going to meet the ultimate middle. And the middle ground of that is you're going to sit there and you're going to ask yourself, is this really who you are? Is this really what you want to be doing? 
Because the honest truth is, people, when you go into university and college, you go in with the expectation that you're going to make friends, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. But that naturally comes with you being just you. Mm -hmm. The right people, you... The people that will be something in your life will naturally just be attracted to you. Like, somehow, some way, you know? It's a natural attraction. It's, it's the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's how it works. Even if you don't, walking out of there and let's say, you know, you're an accountant and you, you, you work for a firm. And, and you work with how many other accountants? These are people that you've worked hard to be a part of. Mm-hmm. You've worked hard to be a part of this group dynamic. You should be able to, you will find someone that you can relate to. Or you will be able to find certain people. Yeah, no, without a doubt. You know, but there are people that really try to push for it. You yeah. know, like, for example, um, there's a friend of mine, you know, who who really craves that kind of, like attention you, you who go out and seek for it and in return she doesn't get what she wants and it makes her sad yes. very sad and it makes you sad because you're you're, you're s- not true to yourself exactly no and i it, totally it, agree it's it's a light switch you turn it off and you turn it on mm-hmm. but turning it off and turning it on one day the bulb is just going to die and you're going to have to stay the way you are. And the people that know you for when the light switch is on are going to look at you and be like, mm, you're not who I wanted it. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's very true. And then you'll be even more depressed. So why go through it twice when you can just be who you are and find the right people that l- love you and see you for who you really are? Mm-hmm. You know, this goes for like relationships too, right? Is don't try to be someone that you're not. Don't try to be something that you're not in a relationship because eventually it's going to get to a point where you're going to get exhausted. And then when you are who you really are in a relationship and your partner don't vibe with that, okay, now it's just something that you're going to have to go through in this whole phase of sometimes, you're not who I wanted. Exactly. Or sometimes putting up a front, you know, because that's just not who you were. At the beginning, or, or you're purposely seeking for a relationship, but you, but you should be enjoying life instead. And the thing about that is, right? Don't get them mixed up with developing over a relationship. No, okay? everybody should be developing yeah. over a relationship. Just don't Always. walk in being a fake ass bitch. That no, that's true. You know, there are people that walk into a relationship and they have a front on. You know, yeah. and and that's who they. That's who they always are in front of the partner, you know, and it's sad because that's just not who you are. And then eventually when you move in together and then all those habits of who you are as in who you are as a person, you know, outside of the relationship shows, that's when your relationship starts breaking apart because it crumbles and it crumbles very fast Mm -hmm. because they've never seen that side of you. Mm-hmm. You, just like you've never seen that side of side of them. Yep. And and I totally get it. It's something that becomes very dangerous eventually, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes destructive. And like and this is why 
you know, for me, it took a long time too, right? This is something that takes people time to learn and become. It took me a very long time for me to learn and accept who I really was so that I could be this person that I am. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know, like there are moments where I have to question myself, is this really who I am? Mm-hmm. Is this really how I am? Mm-hmm. No, and, and I get it, you know, because there are times where sometimes, you know, you fall back into like that mentality of how you were before because it was a little safer. It was a little bit more, I guess you can say like, not as exposed to the rest of the world, you know? And and then and then you think about it and I'm, and then you're like, wow, have I changed that much? Mm-hmm. Ha, have I gone through so much that I'm not how I was before? Because when you're going through the ride, you don't realize that you've changed as a person until you sit down and you really sat down and you thought about it, yep. you know? Like, for example, there are times in the morning that you wake up, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning, you come down here and you sit. And then it's the only time that you get to yourself to think because there's no noise. You're not working. You know, you're just watching TV and your mind is thinking, you're like, wow, have I really changed that much? Have I gone through so much and I not realize it until now when I sit down? Mm -hmm. Or it could just be the you from right now and versus you yesterday, you know? It could be two different people and you don't realize the cha- these changes until you've had time for yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, having time for yourself is very important. Very important. Very. I, I absolutely agree with that. It, it's the independence that you have in a relationship to be by yourself so that you can also reflect for yourself. Because mm-hmm. you need it. You need that time to look at yourself and be like, is this me? Is this the best version of me that I can be? Is there more? Is there something that I want out of this relationship? These are questions that come and go. And these are questions that need to be asked because a relationship shouldn't stay st- a relationship shouldn't stay stale. No, never. It Everybody. should constantly grow. It should constantly become something more than what it is today. Mhm. No, I agree. You know like I feel like you grow the most, and I say this from our experience, you know, that you as an individual will grow the most during a relationship because it teaches you so much about yourself and how far and how much you're willing to go the extra mile, you know, not only for yourself, but for your partner too, you know? It's a game of, like, I don't want to say game, but... It's a game of selfishness, sacrifice, self-indulgence. These are all things that play into it. And and, and there are moments in your relationship where you should be selfish. And then there's moments in your relationship where you should be cautious of certain things that are happening. And certain things that, oh, you know, maybe I don't want to do this right now, you know. These are things that happen. And they should be played, they, they shouldn't be played off. These are things that you should look at and really question, you know, these are things that you should ask your partner, ask yourself, talk about. 
it, it, it's something that I feel is very important that is lost. Especially right now, you know, like, especially with like online dating, you know, mm-hmm. with online dating, you really don't know the other person. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Because you only see the pretty picture. You see the mask that they want you to see, right? Yes. And that's the thing, right? Is like with, I'm not, I'm not against it. I actually think that online dating makes it a lot easier than ever now. Back then, it used to be hella hard. <laughs> but, but now, they should be more cautious because you got to look at it from a point where online dating and online dating profiles are a mask of the perfect life that they want you to see it be. Mm-hmm. So the pictures that they put up or or even their captions and, and their profiles. It could say, you know, oh, you know, show a picture of a dude at a beach and got a beach body, but that's the mask. There there's more to him than what he puts there. Mm-hmm. And when you meet with that person, you've already you've already come across that mask. Mm-hmm. You already know what that mask has. Yes. You know what he's wearing when he has that mask on. So walking into it, it's almost like breaking down walls. And that's the hardest part. As for when we were dating back then, it was, let me get to really know you. Let, let, let's break it down, you know? Yes, there's a mask that we put on, but it was a lot easier to break down because I don't have expectation because I don't know what to expect. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. I think now more than ever, taking it back to the clip, now more than ever, people need to reevaluate fame, viral um, like viral fame, you know, instant gratification, all this kind of stuff. And learn to be humble. Learn to, learn to be happy with every step of that process, every step of the way that you're going, every step of the way that you're going to take. Mm-hmm. Be as genuine as you can be. Yeah. Because you don't want to lose yourself through all of that and then one day wake up wondering who the hell you are yep these are very important things to keep in mind i feel like they're very important because if you lose yourself it's gonna take a very long time for you to figure out who you are Mm -hmm. and that process alone is a very dreadful and dreary process it's scary it's Mm -hmm. very scary because you just don't know who you are anymore. You know, like you're questioning the small things of why. Also, just to kind of just point out there, um, anything that we did say and our opinions on certain things, these are just our opinions. Mm-hmm. These are just our thoughts. So um, don't take it too hard. Mm-hmm. Take it with a grain of salt. Just understand that these are our thoughts. These are our interpretations of certain things. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. We are on episode 20, and that is incredible to me. <laughs> Before we let you guys go, please, um, if you guys have uh, 
Apple Podcasts. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. It'll help. Um, another thing, uh, we also have an Instagram now. So please go ahead and follow us at the Statues Podcast. Um, follow us there. If you guys have any questions, please go ahead and message us and we'll try to answer it. Mm-hmm. This is your host and your co-host signing off. Thank you.